Our scripture reading this morning comes from John chapter 10, verses 7 through 18, and I ask you to please stand for the reading of God's holy word. Holy Spirit, open our eyes that we might see wonderful truth out of your word this morning. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Holy Spirit, give us understanding of this great text. Help us to understand anew that Jesus Christ our Lord is the great I am of every one of our lives. He is the one and the only one who deserves all the glory. And so we ask that you would bring us to that point this morning, Lord, to be tender in our hearts towards you and to love you with all that we have. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Please be seated. One of the uh, beautiful terms that we have for God that very affectionate and we adore him with is that we call him the great I am and that idea of him being the great I am begins in Exodus chapter 3 he's speaking with Moses and Moses wants to know what's your name and he says I am who I am and then he tells Moses go to the people of Israel and say I am has sent you and so that is when the personal name of God began the great I am. Then in the New Testament, Jesus comes on the scene. And in John chapter 8, he says to the people, before Abraham was, I am. And he was clearly equating himself to be the great I am who had come to earth incarnate to save us from our sins. And he got in a lot of controversy over it. But nonetheless, he doubled down on that he is the great I am. In fact, he will use seven metaphors of him being the I am in the Gospel of John. And these seven metaphors are great truths about Jesus Christ that many Christians have meditated upon. And by meditating upon, they've changed their life for the good with his supernatural power of being the great I am. But many Christians also use them as a way of praying to God and asking for God to help them as they're praying uh, to the great I am. 
Today, we're going to look at two of the great I am uh, passages, uh, descriptions that Jesus gives of himself in more in depth. But before we do that, let me just review with you those seven great passages. The first one is Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And he's talking about himself, that all of our desires, everything that we hunger for, anything that we need right this second, he is the only one who can fulfill that. He is the bread of life. It is a great invitation to everyone that to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, I am the light of the world. Uh, Christmas Eve, Bob did a wonderful job of reminding us that Jesus is the light of the world. And what does that mean? That means, as Bob said, that Jesus is revealing the Father to us. Now everyone has to deal with who Jesus is and who the Father is because Jesus has come as the light of the world. We now know clearer who God is than we ever knew before because of the coming of the great I Am. But then in this passage, Jesus is called the door. We're going to get into that in just a minute. But one thing I love about Jesus being the door that I hope you take with you as you leave here today is we often think we're trapped. We often think we're trapped and there's no way out. But there is always a way out. And it will always be through Jesus the door. The Haitian missionaries who just got released Twelve of them were kidnapped, and right before Christmas they got released, and they prayed to Jesus to help them be the door so they could get out. And we have a Christmas miracle, they got out. Somehow they got out, they got through those guards. They saw the mountain in the the distance, and they followed it, and they got to a woman who helped them, who called the police, and the police called the Coast Guard, and they're safe. They know tangibly, very real, that Jesus is the door. We're never trapped. We may think we are, but we are not because Jesus is that door. But then Jesus goes on to say in this passage, I am the good shepherd. And as the good shepherd, uh, he moves into describing his work for us. In the other three passages, Jesus was describing himself, but now he's going to describe his work for us. And his work is very clear. He is going to die on the cross for his sheep. He is going to do that because he loves them, and they need him to do that. But also, he is going to be resurrected on the third day. He is going to be resurrected so that we might have eternal life forever. We might know the justification of being in Christ that we might have life with God forever. But then he moves on to say that he's the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And what a beautiful phrase that is uh, to remind us that uh, as we come to God, he is not only the resurrection at the end of the age, that Jesus is not only going to bring us back to life, but right this moment he is the life. One man said that he loves to pray this is a prayer in his own personal life. And what he will say is, Lord, I am, I believe, but I, I need help in my unbelief. And one of the places that I need help in is I'm fading in my hope. Please be my resurrection in my life. Please resurrection my hope and give me the life, the vitality that I know 
that is mine in you. And so he personally prays that to be refreshed. And then the great passage where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6. No one comes to the Father but by me. I love that passage because it's a passage of absolute clarity. I love it when Jesus Christ just says it and it cannot be understood any other way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to get to God except through the Lord Jesus Christ. And one reason why I love that passage is for over 30 years right here, you just saw the man just a few seconds ago, has been preaching that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. And you know that is one of the most divisive messages in the world, right? But it is absolutely the most vital message in the world. That you come to a church that is absolutely clear on who the Lord Jesus Christ is and what he means as the light of the world to this world. We hold out a hope that is a hope that will never die and will always be honored by the Lord. And then finally, we have the, in my mind, the most difficult of the I Am passages. It's the one that my thick skull had the most difficult time to get around, but it's when Jesus says in John fifteen five, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And for the longest time, I didn't get what he was trying to say. I got the other six really quickly. They made just incredible sense to my heart. But this one I struggled with. But I tell you, when I was a young minister, I used to shake every time I preached. In fact, it was very embarrassing, but I literally would shake. My Bible would shake because I was so nervous to be up in front of people. And I tried all types of things to try to, to deal with it. You know, like I tried to force myself to go out and to preach and just to take whatever preaching venue I could get. And one time I got to preach to a uh, corral of horses. I, I, I don't know how I got it. I guess God really likes me, but he decided to have me go and preach to a rodeo circuit. And I thought I was going to be in a nice chapel, but I had to walk through all the horse manure to get to the, the little place they had set up for me to speak. But I was so glad because they had a pulpit there so I could hide by shaking behind that pulpit. And as I put my notes out on that pulpit, they blew away. It was the worst sermon of my life because I didn't know what to say. But you know, I am a smart man. I'm a smart man. Oh, you know, you can fool me once, but not twice. So the next time I preached, I decided I was going to memorize my sermon. And I did. I memorized it. Man, I bootstrapped it. I had it all down. And you will not believe it. It was in a church called First Presbyterian Church in Rome, Georgia. It's a beautiful church. And I am preaching away. And I get to the third point. And I brag about it. Never brag about your points. Okay? I'm just telling you. I said, you, if you like the first two points, you're going to really love this third point. And the third point is, and the third point is, I couldn't remember the third point. 
I never did give them the third point. They think I'm a nut. But the only place that I found true strength for the preaching journey, and I found it again today at 3 o'clock in the morning when I woke up going, i got to preach, is John 15, 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And it's when I owned up to the fact that I've got nothing to give. I've got nothing to give this congregation or any congregation of God's dear saints that Jesus Christ shed his blood for. You are so precious beyond measure to the God of the universe, we preachers have nothing to give you. And so we bow so often at the Lord's feet, so and we, we feel our nothingness. But when we rise to come to the pulpit, we know that we're doing what God has asked us to do. And we don't do it in our strength because we will mess it up every time. We do it in His strength. And that's what I understood, that I'm just a branch, but I've got to be a branch that is getting my sustenance, my strength, and my power only from the vine. And so knowing that Jesus is the great I am, even of my life, makes absolutely all the difference in how I'm able to operate in life, how I'm able to uh, follow the Lord. So what we would like to do is now zero in on two of the great I am statements. Uh, In verse 7 it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Of course, that reminds us that Jesus is the only door of the sheep. He's the, the way, the truth, and the life. And so we get excited about that, and we should. And then he goes on to say, All who came before me are thieves and robbers. So anyone who says that there's another way is not telling you the truth. And the sheep will not listen to them. Then he goes on to say, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And that's exactly what we think, right? That's exactly what we know. If we enter through Jesus Christ, if we transfer our trust from our own ability to do good, and we transition that to Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross, that he was resurrected from the grave, that he is our Lord and Savior, we know we will be saved and he will save us. He will rescue us. But notice what the passage says. It goes on and says something really quite like a bonus, like a wonderful bonus. He not only saves us, but he says he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. As we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he sends us on missions. We go in and out from him. He sends us on missions and he gives us incredible travel mercies to go do what he is calling us to do. And while we are out and he is guiding us along as the great shepherd, we're going to find green pastures, as Psalm 23 says. We're going to lie down in those green pastures and we're going to be refreshed and we're going to feast upon his word and upon who he is. But don't gloss over that as you go in and out from him as the door, he gives you freedom and he gives you protection and he gives you many, many mercies. Uh, I don't know about you, but one of the things that 
I worry about the most is my children, my wife, people that I love, traveling. And I love the idea that God gives us to pray for those who are traveling, to pray to the Lord Jesus Christ for their protection. And that little phrase, um, going in and out, really comes from the Old Testament. It comes from Psalm 121, verse 8. The Lord will keep, or another way of saying that, the Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is called the Song of Ascents. It's actually about traveling to the temple uh, to worship. And that's exactly the, the rhythm that God gives us, isn't it? We walk through those doors, and we call those church doors, but they should remind us that Jesus is really the door. He's really the one we're coming to today. And he protects us, he feeds us, he gives us strength, and then he sends us right back out so that we can go in and out and have freedom of movement, follow his word, follow his mission for our life. Even out of these doors we find green pastures, we find God feeding us by his word, but every week we get to come right back to God's house to be strengthened once again as we come through those doors. Uh, He's really the doorkeeper, isn't he? He's really the one inviting us to his house. But hear this precious prayer from Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. It is a beautiful prayer to pray over your loved ones, over those who are asking you, Uh, to pray for them for travel mercies, for our missionaries who we send out to all parts of the world. It's just a beautiful intercessory prayer uh, to pray. Then the passage goes on to say, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. There's just a survey done And only about a third of those who took the survey of over a thousand people knew that Jesus promises abundant life in the Bible. But there it is right there. Our door promises us abundant life. Abundant life can be described in so many different ways. My favorite way is the way Corey Ten Boone described it. She uses the word faith as an acronym And she says, faith, or the abundant life, is the fantastic adventure in trusting in him. And that's exactly right. Being, he is the the vine and we are the branches. And as we abide in him, he is already abiding in us. He is, we are in union with him. And as we are in communion with him and we work that relationship out, we have abundant life. It doesn't get any better than having Jesus Christ in your life. It just doesn't get any better than that. It's, I love the reformers that they said 
to glorify God and not only to glorify Him, but to enjoy Him forever. There's an enjoying factor. That's the abundant life in having Jesus Christ in our lives shepherding us. He is going to guard us. He is going to guide us. He is going to be good to us. His grace will be extended to us. And surely that brings great blessings uh, to us. Then we go to the next metaphor that he uses. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Uh, the word good means that he is morally beautiful. It means he is masterfully perfect in him being the shepherd. There is nothing about his shepherding of us that is lacking. He is completely competent, completely caring, completely loving, and there is nothing that he does that is not to benefit his sheep. He loves us. And he was willing, as it says here, to die on the cross for our sins. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I call that little preposition, the little word for, the uh, secret service preposition in the Bible. Because it's a picturesque word. And it's basically saying that if danger is coming to someone, that... If you're for them, you're going to jump out in front of that danger and you're going to take the danger. You're going to absorb the bullet in case of the Secret Service agent so that the president would not have to be shot. That's the image here of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. We all deserve judgment by God for our many, many failings, for our many, many usurping of his great authority and power but instead of us taking that penalty jesus takes it he absorbs the wrath of god so that now god might display and give us his forgiveness as he changes our heart because it's not only about the cross he also says that he will take his life back again that no one just takes it from him but verse 18 says, I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus is going to be resurrected on the third day because he is a shepherd who is never going to let his sheep down. His eternal power, his almighty sovereignty, his absolute perfection will always be at the disposal of those who he considers the apple of his eye, which is his people. And it's such a beautiful thing to know that he is going to always be our guardian and our guide for our souls. The passage goes on to say uh, something about the wolf Verse 12, he who is a hard hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. You can hear in my reading of this the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. He does not want anyone to hurt his flock. 
and to see someone who is charged with protecting the flock not doing so and running away even though they see the the danger coming is just not something he will allow and so he by being our great hero as we just sang is going to step in and he is going to protect the sheep so he says it again Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. He's going to lay down his life. He is going to take it in his own hands to protect us. He gives it to nobody else, gives it to no angel. He takes it to protect us. And he says, I know my own and my own know me. Personableness of Jesus is just off the charts. He knows you. And you know him. He loves having a relationship with us. Is that not just astounding? That the God of the universe loves knowing us and us knowing him? One lady said if she could describe what her life purpose would be and put it one word on a t-shirt, Her word would be relationships. She said the only thing she would do differently in relationships in the T, she'd replace the T with a cross, that all her relationships would be based upon what she knows about the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that would be a good description of Jesus, wouldn't it? On his T-shirt, relationships, with a T being right there, with a cross being right there inserted for the T, that it is all about relationships for Jesus. And he loves us. He loves being our good shepherd. It's just astounding to me how much he loves us. And he says, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, you can't be any more deeply known than the Father knowing Jesus Christ. And that is the exact type of relationship Jesus is driving for us. I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. There will be one flock, one shepherd. This is astounding to me every time I read it, that every time we read the Gospels, you know, Jesus Christ is talking to you directly. He's he's not talking about you. He's not just talking to the world. He's talking to you directly. When you read the Gospel of John, it's pretty hard not to realize that he's, Jesus is having a conversation with you as you're reading the book. When Jesus says that he's the light of the world, you realize I'm part of the world, so he's somehow the light of me. You're immediately confronted with him. When Jesus says, for God so loved the world... You realize, wait a minute, I'm a part of the world. He's he's confronting me on this. He's talking to me. And whoever believes in me shall never die but have everlasting life. He's bringing me into the story of the great I am. He's bringing me right in. When he talks to Martha, when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, he says in there, whoever believes in me, 
shall not die. Do you believe this? And you realize he's not just talking to Martha. That question is for every one of us. Do we believe that he's the resurrection and the life? One of my favorite passages is when Jesus prays for his disciples in John 17. And when he, when he starts to pray for them, he also says, Hey, I need to pray for those who are going to believe in me through their word. And that would be us. You see that he's praying for us. And then finally, in the great story of Doubting Thomas... Thomas says, my Lord and my God, when he sees the resurrection Jesus, and what does Jesus say to him? He gives you and I a benediction. He says, you see and believe, but blessed are those like us who have not seen and yet believe. He immediately brings us into the story. And he says, there's a blessing here with the great I am. And it's just amazing that he says, the sheep are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. Has that not happened in your life? Jesus was on a great mission to bring many sons and daughters to glory. And he was on a mission to save you, just as he's on a mission to save so many. And he knew that. And he talks about us in this great passage. He reminds us that he and he alone searches for us to find his sheep. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, to be resurrected on the third day, to send into heaven and to sit right now at the right hand of God the Father and to be praying over us right now. He ever lives to make intercession for his people. We look forward to the day that Jesus Christ will return again. But until then, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the spirit that Jesus told us about, that changes our heart, that teaches us the word of God, that ignites us to follow God no matter what. And so we ask for you to bless us, to guide us, to guard us, to grant us your grace as we move into 2022, Lord. We look forward to you being the great I am of each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.